You have a purpose. Everyone in here has a purpose. God made you for a reason. Now, here's what purpose is. It's the reason for which something is done or created or for which something exists. Everything God did and is doing now and in the future has purpose. God doesn't do anything without purpose. You and I were created with purpose, not just to be somebody that wanders through this life and ends up in a grave somewhere. That is not God's intent for you to wander through life. He has intent for every person in here. Now, I did a little study on the Internet, and I thought this was really kind of stunning. Um, the question was, how many people live out their dream? How many people live out their dream? How many people, they have a dream or a goal in life, and they actually attain it and live it out? And... It was amazing statistic. These were scientific statistics, and the actuality of it was that only 8% of people actually live their dream. That means that 92% don't. Now, we're talking in the secular world. But in Christian world, in this Christian world, I always think a lot of people never realize their purpose, their identity, or live out the dreams that God has put in their heart or the calling that He's given to you into your, in your life. And you end up not fulfilling what God has said, this is what is fulfilling for you. This is what I've called you to do. So that this morning, if that is you, if you're struggling, and you're thinking, Lord, is this it? Because you told me this, you called me this, a prophet said this about me, and somebody else spoke this into my life, and God, it's just not happening. If this is you this morning, this message is for you. You know, the secular world has a way to achieve goals. And here's what this, this article said. They divide their dream into goals, and then they follow a system to achieve those goals, which ultimately take them to their dream. It's a system. We don't live by that system. We live by this is what God said. I believe it, and I'll receive it, and I'm going to walk in it. Okay, are you here this morning? Okay, because we could all fall into that. Mm, just not getting where God wants us to be. But here's where it starts. So we're going to be, we're talking about uh, Matthew this morning, I mean, Joseph this morning. Okay, we're talking about Joseph this morning. And it begins with our heritage. Say heritage. heritage. I like him. He's just waving at people like he's in a parade. <laughs> uh, yeah, hi, I'm, it's me. Never know what's going to happen at freedom. So if you have your Bibles, turn to Matthew chapter 1. Can I get any little bit more light up here? Is this, is, this, is this as good as it gets? So, okay. This is the scroll. I'm reading from the Passion. This is the scroll of the genealogy of Jesus, the anointed one, the son of David, and descendant of Abraham. Now, I'm going to butcher all these names, so don't worry about it, because we could stay here for like three days, and we could work on how to pronounce these names, and nobody would get them all right, because you go back to the Hebrew, not the way they've even written them here. And you'll find out they're different. So I'm just going to, you just, I do, I do know how to say David, but it's probably David. Okay? <laughs> Son of David and the descendant of Abraham. It's probably how, I'm, I'm serious, it was probably Abraham. Ab Abraham was the son of Isaac, who had a son named Jacob, who had a son named Judah. That's even worse. He and his brothers became the tribes of Israel. Judah and, Judah and Tamar had twin sons, Perez, and if you're Hispanic, it's Perez, right? Perez and Zerah. Perez had a son named Hezron who had a son named Ram. He went to ASU. And, and who had 
who had a, I had a lot of fun with these names, and so you're going to get it to have some of that. And who had a son named Aminadab. Y'all remember a Brill Cream? A, a little dab do you? Aminadab do you? Okay. <laughs> See, this makes it more fun, doesn't it? Genealogy. I don't like genealogies, but this is more fun. Who had a son named Nashon? Who had a son named Salmon? Or as my wife says, you don't pronounce the L, it's Salmon. So why did they put the L in there? I would like to order some salmon, please. Salmon, who along with Rahab, what is Rahab's profession? You've got to kind of know this. I'm not going to go into all these details because we won't have time. Who had a son named Boaz. Boaz and Ruth had some, a son named Obed, who was the father of Jesse. And Jesse had a son named David, who became the king. Then David and Bathsheba. What was Bathsheba and David? How did they get together? Adultery and murder. Let's don't forget murder. They had a son named Solomon. And Solomon, if you read some of his writings, he kind of got messed up along the way. Who had a son named Rehoboam. Who had a son named Abijah. Who had a son named Asa. Who had a son named Jehoshaphat. Wouldn't want my name to be, have fat in it. Who had a son named Joram. Who had a son named Uzziah. Who had a son named Jotham or Jotham. <laughs> who, had a son, yeah, I'm not, who had a son named Ahaz. Who had a son named Hezekiah. Who had a son named Manasseh. Who had a son named Amos. Who had a son named jo, Josiah. Who, had a, who was the father of Jeconiah. 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 None of these people, well, some of them did, but most of them didn't have a really good heritage. Okay, you need to keep that in mind as we get to Joseph. Now, 11b, it was during the days of Jeconiah and his brothers that Israel was taken captive and deported to Babylon. About the, that, the time of their captivity in Babylon, Jeconiah had a son named Shaquille O'Neal. No, that's not it. <laughs> Shealtiel, the original Shaquille O'Neal, who had a son named Zerubbabel. Say Zerubbabel. And that's a cool name. Just call hey, Z, what's up? Okay. Who had a son named Abud? Who had a son named Eliakim? Who had a son named Azor? And this is like a Star Trek name. Who had a son named Zadok? <laughs> Anybody name your kid Zadok? Anybody here got a kid named Zadok? Zadok. You got a kid named Zadok? No? Okay. Great nephew named Zadok. Oh, well, that's not the same. That sounds like Zanak. Zadok. Okay. Who had a son named Achim? Who had a son named Eliud? Who had a son named Eleazar? Who had a son named Methan? Or Methan? Who had a son named Jacob? There we go. We got some Jacobs here. Yeah, we got a name we know. <laughs> Who was the father of Joseph? Any Joes in here? How many Joes we got? Come on, lift your hand. We got how many Josephs? All over the place. Good. This husband of Mary, the mother of Jesus, who is called the Anointed One, or Messiah. Then, So from Abraham to David were 14 generations, and from David to Babylonian captivity, 14 generations, and from the Babylon captivity to Christ, 14 generations. So you go back and you count all of those, and it adds up to 41. So you can go do a study on that. That's great if you want to. Uh, one, of the, one of the studies, I think it was from the, actually from the Passion, said the 42nd generation was the church. So that was pretty cool. But they, they weren't always greatly specific in all the genealogies. And you go back and go read Luke, and it's also the genealogy of, of Joseph and Mary. And it's really just really interesting, but that's not what we're parking today. So, the, but there's a purpose in your past. Say, there's a purpose in my past. So you need to know where you come from. You need to know that 
Yeah, how many of you have, have done your Ancestry.com or one of those things and you've traced some things about your family? I, I think I've asked that before. It's really a cool thing to do. And, and it's a great Christmas present. They don't give me any money to say that. But I'm just saying it's pretty cool if you know some of your history or your ancestry or your heritage. But I'm not talking about that heritage this morning. I'm, gonna talk, I'm talking about your heritage that you were created by God. You're part, of, you're part of his family. He created you. He had purpose for you from the beginning, actually from before the beginning. Y'all believe that? One of my, my mother-in-law's loves this is going to be with Jesus. Psalm 139 says this, at verse 14. I thank you, God, for making me so mysteriously complex. Husbands are going, man, that's my wife. She is complex. <laughs> Everything you do is marvelously breathtaking. It simply amazes me to think about it. How thoroughly you know me, Lord. You even formed every bone in my body when you created me in the secret place, in the womb. Carefully, skillfully, you shape me from nothing to something. That's pretty cool, huh? I was nothing, now I'm something. You saw who you created me to be before I became me. Woo, you could just meditate on every one of these. Before I'd ever seen the light of day, the number of days you planned for me were already recorded in your book. He's got a book of your life. My daughter gave me this, this program last year for my birthday, not this, not in 2022. It's called StoryWorth. There's another plug. <laughs> and I'm writing this kind of the story of my life. And it asks you questions. Every week I get a new question. And then you write it and, and you fill it in. You can put pictures with it. Then after a year, which I'm already past that, uh, they print it out and publish it and make it a book out of it. And you can give it away or put it up on the shelf or give it to your kids, whatever. But it's a story. And it's, but see, God's got a story of your life. He's writing. He's, the book is written about your life. Isn't that cool? Every single moment you are thinking of me. Oh, every single moment. How can God think of everybody all the time at the same time? Because he's God, right? How precious and wonderful to consider that you cherish me constantly in your every thought. Oh, God, your desires toward me are more than the grains of sand on every shore. When I wake each morning, you are still with me. That's your heritage. That's my heritage. That's my daddy. Come on, that's your daddy. <clears throat> now, your daddy, your earthly daddy might not have been a good daddy. He might have been a great daddy. I don't know, but I'm telling Jehovah is your daddy. And he's an awesome, awesome, awesome father. He's a good, good father. You were created. Think about this. None of us in here are alike. And then you go out into the city and you walk through the city over 100,000 people. Not two of us are alike. And then you walk into the state and then you go into this country of over 330 million people and not two of us are alike. I don't care if even if you're twins, you are not alike. And then you look at the billions of people in this world. Think about that. Does that kind of go, your mind is a, yeah? He created, he created you uniquely you before your parents even thought about you. Colossians 1.15 says this, He is the divine portrait, Jesus, the true likeness of the invisible God, and the firstborn heir of all creation, for in Him, in Him, was created the universe of things, both in the heavenly realm and on the earth, all that is seen and all that is unseen. Are you seen? Yes. Okay. Every seat of power, realm of government, principality, and authority, it all exists through Him and for whose purpose? Yes. His purpose. 
He existed before anything was made, and now everything finds completion in him. I want to tell you this morning, if you think you're going to find completion in the world, you will be sadly disappointed. If you think the world's going to answer your problems, you're going to be sadly disappointed. And you're going to end up one of those people that wanders aimlessly through this world trying to figure out what's my purpose, how do I get there? And God says there's only one way, there's only one person that can actually make you fulfilled, and that's Jesus Christ. That's Him. And yet we try other things in other ways, don't we? So, in speaking of our past, I want to get past the past, but go back to your heritage in Christ. And find out who you are in Christ, what he's done for you, how he's created you, uniquely you. And then when you come to Christ, then you can find the purpose that he has for you. It says this in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's what? It's a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. You see, because of what Jesus did for us and what you, when you step into your salvation experience and you believe for your salvation and you have faith, you put your faith and your trust in Jesus, you become a part of that lineage that we just read about. Seed of Abraham. All of us. We're part of the seed of Abraham if you know Jesus. He, he broke the barrier between the Jews and the Gentiles. He said, I, he, said I, he came once for all, for all mankind, not just for the Jews. And some people go, well, I don't get that, but God came for you. Say he came for me. me. All right, the second thing is there's purpose in the promise. I'm going to be very brief on this one because the promise is going to be next week when we talk about Mary. So don't don't think I'm sliding Mary or women because she's getting her sermon too, okay? But she was a woman of promise. But you are a person of promise. God's promises are what? Yes and amen. Numbers 23, 19, God is not a man that he should lie, nor a son of man that he should repent. He didn't have to repent. He <laughs> didn't have anything to repent of. Has he said and will he not do? Or has he spoken and will he not make it good? He is the God of keeps his promises. So we're going to move on. He's the God of promise, purpose in your promise. The next thing I want you to see is verse, uh, Matthew 1, 19. We're going to get on to Joseph now. So interesting. Her fiancé. Joseph was a righteous man full of integrity, and he didn't want to disgrace her. But when he learned of her... Oh, excuse me. I jumped ahead. Verse 18. This is how the birth of Jesus Christ took place. His mother, Mary, had promised Joseph to be his wife. But while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Okay, we have to lay the groundwork before we get to Joseph, all right? This is how it happened. She had a promise. Joseph was her betrothed. He, she, he was, he was, they were engaged to be married. That would be the vernacular or the terminology we would use today. So now we go to verse 19. Her fiancé Joseph was a righteous man, full of integrity. He didn't want to disgrace her, but when he learned of her pregnancy, he secretly planned to break the, the engagement. Third thing we you see this morning is there's purpose in our planning. There's purpose in our planning. Say our planning. Say my planning. Hmm. See, Joseph had the right, you may not know this, but Joseph had the right under the, the law, the Hebraic law, he could have had her stoned. I think that would have been a horrible thing to even be a part of. They're still doing that in some, some countries today. They still stone people. They still cut their heads off. They still chop their limbs off, their fingers off if they're caught st- stealing. But they could, he could have had her stoned. 
because she said, I'm pregnant and I really can't explain to you who the daddy is because he's not here. He's not a, he's not a her person that you can actually see. So here's Joseph. He has this dilemma. What am I going to do with this woman? He didn't have a, an understanding what what was taking place yet. It did not have not, not been revealed to him yet. Even at this place, it doesn't even say Mary told him how, how she got pregnant. So I'm going to just ask you, men, if somebody came up, if your wife came up to you or you were engaged to be married to somebody and they told you, you they were pregnant, but they couldn't tell you how, how would you respond? See, we, we read these stories and we don't even get in, into the head of the guy that's like, you're what? See, she's probably 13, 14, 15 years of age. Mary, I, I thought I knew you. I thought I understood. I, you know, we had this agreement. Our, our parents, they're, they're giving everything. My, my dad's building the house. He's building the room. We're getting ready for this. And you're telling me you're pregnant? Are you kidding me? But he, 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 had, he had feelings toward her. You know, these were arranged marriages, but he had, he had feelings toward her. But he was, it goes back, it says he was a righteous man. He was a man of integrity. He didn't want to disgrace her. So he planned to secretly break off the engagement. See, even in that day, in, in that time, even being betrothed or engaged or whatever you want to call it, they were still considered husband and wife at that time. I know it's different for us, but they were considered husband and wife already. They had not laid together. They had not had anything happen, but they were considered husband and wife. So if he was going to break off or secretly, secretly put this thing behind him or, or keep her safe from all of this, they actually had to get a divorce. They really had to get a divorce. That was the law back then. So really, there was really no good way he was going to be able to do this. But see, we make plans. Don't we? We make plans. And it's usually our plans. We are in a situation, a dilemma, and we go, how am I going to get out of this? What do I do? Anybody ever get in a situation where you didn't know what to do? But you started, the wheels started, started, whoo, 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 and your brain started working on how am I going to get out of this? So Joseph was trying to figure out how to get out of this. There was a purpose in his planning. We, we used to sing a song at Freedom a long time ago. We used to do a lot of vineyard music. Anybody remember vin, vineyard music? But there was this song we used to sing, I will make my plans, Lord. But you direct my steps. Do, 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 do. I will make my plan. That's the bass. <laughs> you direct my steps. That's all we can. We sing that all the time. Because we'll be going down the road. We'll be praying. And we'll, we'll have an idea about something. Well, we can make our plans. The, he, that comes from Proverbs 16.9. A man's heart plans his ways, but the Lord directs his steps. It's not, a, it's not wrong to make plans, guys. But you've got to include God in the plans. You've heard it. It's, it's a good thing or is it a God thing? You can do good things all day long, but if they're not a God thing, you may just be spinning your wheels. Anyone here ever guilty of getting a word from the Lord and then you try to make it happen? Come on, anybody? Just a few of you are telling the truth. So none of the rest of you try to make things work out in your flesh. 
I'm going to ask that question again. You get, you get a word, you, get, you hear it, you get the rhema word from God, you get a prophetic word, and, and then all of a sudden you start, and it's, it's a, apart from God, you may pray about it for a second, and then you go, okay, how are we going to get this to happen? Anybody? Okay, that's better. It's more honesty. It's always good to be honest in church. All right, look at verse 20. While he was still debating with himself. Anybody ever debate with yourself? <laughs> Woo! While he was debating with himself about what to do, he fell asleep and had a supernatural dream. An angel from the Lord appeared to him and said, Joseph, descendant of David, don't hesitate to take Mary into your home as your wife because the power of the Holy Spirit, this is the first time he's heard this, has conceived a child in her womb. She will give birth to a son, and you're to name him Savior, for he is destined to give his life to save his people from their sins. See, there, are purpose, there was a purpose in our planning, but there's a better purpose in his plans. There's a better purpose that goes beyond what we can even think or what we can plan to do. So you need to get on board with what he says for you to do, not what your flesh tells you to do. Now, I love this because Joseph was debating with himself what to do. Anybody ever have a conflict in your mind about what you're supposed to do? Yeah. Anybody ever go to bed at night and you have racing thoughts? Oh, whoa. Like a speedway in here. NASCAR. Right? And man, you, that's, that's, to me, that's one of the most difficult things. Or when you wake up, this is even worse. You wake up at 3 a.m., then you have racing thoughts. Lord, I just want to go back to sleep. <laughs> we debate about things that God has already said, this is the way I want you to do it. And then we start debating. We start trying to figure out a, a, an easier way to do it or a way that's not so uh, you know, offensive or whatever it is. We try to start figuring out how we're going to do something instead of saying, God, what do you want to do? How do you want to do it? I'm here. I'm willing. I'm yielding. He was debating with himself. And I love this because we just talked just a few moments ago about our history, about their, our past. And notice what he says about to Joseph. He says, Joseph, you're a descendant of who? David. Now, why do you think the angel would throw that one in there unless there was purpose in it? See, he was reminding Joseph of the descendant, the, the heritage that he was a part of, because Joseph knew in that there was prophecy about a virgin birth. So it's important that you know your heritage, that it's in Christ Jesus, not just in your earthly heritage, that, it's, that God has got a plan for you, and it goes beyond our plans. So when he's speaking this, to, he says Joseph descended of David. He's speaking from 2 Samuel 7, verse 12. Listen to this. When your days are fulfilled and you rest with your fathers, he's speaking of David, I will set up your seed after you who will come from your body, and I will establish his kingdom. That's God's kingdom through Jesus. He shall build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom. How long? Forever. This, he was the forever king. Jesus Christ is what? He's our forever king. Is that exciting? God had a plan. God always has a plan. He always has a plan that goes beyond what your plans are. So when you think, well, he's called me to do this. I don't know how that's ever going to happen. Think bigger. Think bigger. 
Look at that. You can't not think bigger when you read Ephesians 3.20. Never doubt God's mighty power to work in you and accomplish all this. He will achieve infinitely more than your greatest request, your most unbelievable dream, and exceed your wildest imagination. He will outdo them all for his miraculous power constantly energizes you. Anybody experiencing that today? See, if, the, if we're not experiencing that, we're missing it. Wow. Are your dreams big enough? Have you limited God in your dreams? Well, God, I, you know, there's a saying in one of the books that we've read. It says if your dreams aren't, uh, if they don't scare you, they're not big enough. We're not comfortable. I, it seems like that's been the theme of a lot of the sermons that, I've, that God's put on my heart lately is that we like comfortable. We like things nice and neat. We like things to work out the way they're supposed to work out. And sometimes if we dream big, it gets messy. If we dream big, it gets, it, there's faith that's involved in it. See, if you can do it, it's not big enough. So if you're living the dream and it's something that you've come up with and you fulfill those goals, then it's not God's dream for you. That's your dream. You know, I'm living the dream. I am living the dream. I'm one of those 8%. But I didn't live that dream as long as I probably could be living the dream. I waited a long time to get to that place where God said, now you're going to finally listen to me. You're finally going to do what I've called you to do. Well, that's way bigger than me. And God said, of course it is. You can't do that. So if you settled, if you settled, church, then you're not fulfilling the destiny that God has for your life. I'm sorry, but you're just not. And I'm not saying that you have to be a preacher. You have to be a televangelist. You do, that you have to go save the world. I'm not saying that at all. I'm saying whatever God's put in your heart to do, then you know what it is. I don't. Well, I know some of you. But if he's put it in your heart to do something, Still go after it. Don't say, well, it just can't happen. Because God says, I can do more than you can ask or think or give you beyond your wildest dreams. That's who he's looking for. He's looking for a church that says, yes, if God said it, it's good. If God said it, it will come to pass. All I've got to do is agree with him. Romans 8, 28, we love to quote this verse. We know that all things work together for the good to them that love the Lord and call according to his purpose. You know, I've heard that verse misquoted so many times. All things work together for the good. Really? That's not true. All things work together. I, there was a, what's that, what's that, Manifest, that TV show? It had that verse. They would use that loosely. And all, we watched a few of the episodes and finally it just got too weird. But I'm, I'm just telling, they would say, well, all things work together for the good. They, they don't. If you take that verse and you take it out of context, it sounds really good. But it doesn't say that. It says all things work together for the good to what? To those who love God and who are the called according to his what? His purpose. So you think, well, things aren't working out, but I know God's going to work this out. All things work together for the good. No, they don't. If you're out of his will, they don't work together for your good. If you're disobedient, they don't work out for your good. Matter of fact, he'll discipline you and you'll think that's not good. And God said, that's right. That's not good because I'm going to get you back in line. It's quit misquoting that verse. It's not a blanket all things work together for good statement. All right, verse 22. How are we doing? 
This happened to fulfill what the Lord has spoken through his prophet. Listen, a virgin will be pregnant. She will give birth to a son, and he will be known as Emmanuel, which means in Hebrew, God became one of us, or God with us, or God is with us. So number five is there's purpose in the pregnancy. Mary's pregnancy was a planned pregnancy. Family planning. Anybody have a planned pregnancy in here? Families, raise your hand if you ever had a plan. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> okay. Three people. <laughs> Anybody here? Unplanned pregnancy? Oh. I was told I was unplanned. Mary was planned. Matter of fact, when Mary Lou and I, we got married, after four years, we decided it's time to have a child. So we planned to have a child. And I said, Lord, I want a boy. I wasn't very specific. I just wanted a boy. All the guys want a boy first, right? Right? I don't know why, but we do. Had a boy, four years. Into marriage, four years. Wes came into the world. About four years later, we thought, it's time to have a Another child. And we wanted to be the, the standard American family. We wanted to have a boy and a girl and a dog and all that, you know. And so I, I said, Lord, I, we, we, it's time to get pregnant again. Let's have a, let's have a girl. And then I, I was more specific. I said, I really want a dark-haired girl. <laughs> Guess what God gave us? A dark-haired little girl. Planned pregnancies. Yeah, there's a planned one over there. Ba-ba-ba. <laughs> Mary's pregnancy was planned way longer than Mary Lou and I planned West's interests. Isaiah 7, 14, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a son. Behold, the virgin will conceive and bear a son, and she'll call his name Emmanuel. That was like 700 years before Mary had Jesus. That's pre-planned. That's planning way ahead. But if you look at Scripture, it actually goes back before the beginning of time because God always had a plan to redeem mankind. And he had that plan. It was through his son, Jesus Christ, come to the earth, die, be raised, ascend, send the Holy Spirit, save mankind. That was his plan from before the beginning. So there's a planned pregnancy. Here's the thing about pregnancy. Pregnancy can, and I loved it when, when, when uh, the Lord just spoke through Aaron this morning. She started talking about the seed. Let me tell you what I wrote down. Pregnancy can be easily associated with the planting of seeds and seeing something grow. Did y'all hear say something about seeds this morning? And we also know that the Word of God is like seeds that fall in different types of soils. I think she said something about that. So why were you trying to steal my message? Come on, girl. <laughs> Joseph and Mary chose to receive what God was doing. Just as you and I have a choice to receive or reject what God is doing. Some of you are not living the dream because you've rejected what God's doing. Some of you are living the dream or you're on the road to it because you've received what God is doing. Is that a fair assumption? Yes. God is continually birthing something in our hearts. When you come here every Sunday, when you come on Monday nights or Tuesdays or Wednesdays or whenever or Thursday nights, when you come and the word is spoken, when the word is given and the word is, is a rhema word and it's a word of life to you, you still have a choice what you're going to do with it. When you open the word, when you're having your devotion or when, when you're at night and you open your, your scriptures, and you begin to read the word of God and he starts speaking to you like, man, whoo, this is from God, this is from me. You still have a choice of what you're going to do with that word. What are you doing with it? 
Or are you just like, I'm just going to put it over the shelf. God's going to do something maybe in 10 years from now. Well, he might. He might. What's he doing? What, what, what's God doing in your life now? Are you yielding to him? Because he's got a purpose in the pregnancy. He's birthing something in you. How many of you know what it feels like? Now, I'm not talking about women having children. But what do you know? What do you, you understand what it means to have something birthed in you? It's a thought, right? It's a feeling. Sometimes it's, just, it's a fact. Sometimes we don't even know. I couldn't even describe how many ways God can birth something in you. It may be an ideal for a business, right? He may say, this is what I want. It may be an ideal for a ministry. But all of them, if God's birthing it in you, ultimately, you know where it's going to go? It's going to go to him. Ultimately, that's where it's going to lead to. Because he he's not going to birth something in you that's going to bring glory to you. It's going to bring glory to him. He's a jealous God. What has God planted in your heart to do? Just close your eyes just for a second. This is not an invitation. Sometimes I, I think I, I get too carried away and go too fast. I want you to think right now. Close your eyes. What's God birthed in you? What's he spoken to you? I don't care how far, how, how long ago it was. What's he birthed in you? What's he, what is that seed that he planted in you that's still there? Got a picture of it? You should be getting a picture of it. You should be hearing the whisper. We were talking about hearing God. What's he birth? What did he plant in your heart to do? Yeah, Pastor, I remember that. I was I was twenty five and he said this and man, I forgot about it. The seed's still there. The seed's still there. He called me to be a mentor to to young men. That seed's still there. He called me to be an encouragement to women. He called me to help women that have had an abortion. He's called me to help people that don't know about their identity. He birthed that in me, Pastor. The seed's still there. Grab hold of it this morning. Grab hold of it, water it, nurture that seed, and let it start to grow again. Verse 24, when Joseph woke from his dream, he did all that the angel of the Lord instructed him to do. He took Mary to be his wife, but they restrained from having sex until she gave birth to her firstborn son, whom they named Jesus. There's a purpose. The last point I want to make this morning is there's a purpose in partnering. There's a purpose in partnering. Jesus partnered with God's word, didn't he? Didn't he? And if you think the angel brought God's word to him, he partnered with God's word. Mary, did, did Mary partner with God's word? Let it be to me according to what? Your word? So their dreams were, they were, they were realized. What God said, this is going to come to pass. Joseph, you have to be this person Mary you have to be willing and so he said if you agree to that and you partner with my word you're going to be amazed at what God's going to do you're going to you're going to bring the, the the son of God into the world 
It may be in a manger, but Joseph, you're going to be faithful. You're going to be knocking on doors. If you don't find a place, there's going to be a manger waiting for you. There's going to be a stable waiting for you, Joseph. You take care of that baby. Take care of that baby. You go on to read about how Joseph took care of that baby. The angel said, get out of here. Get to Egypt. The angel said, now it's time you can come back, but don't live there. Go here. And he started listening. The saddest thing that can happen in your life is you don't listen, you don't receive, and you don't partner with the Word of God. And you end up just going, I guess I'm just going to do the best I can. And the best you can do is not good enough. It's the best he can do. It's the best he can do. The best you can do is just yield. Get out of the way. People don't realize their dreams because they partner with the wrong people, the wrong philosophies, the wrong religions, the wrong ideals. They just partner with the wrong things. The Bible is very clear in 1 Corinthians 15, 33. Do not be deceived. Evil company corrupts good habits. You want to you find your destiny in Christ, then get away from those people that are talking you down all the time, saying, you can't, you can't, you can't, you can't. It's not possible. Second Corinthians 6, 14, do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. Some people go, well, that's about marriage. Listen, it's about more than marriage. It's about your partnership in business. It's about your friends. For what fellowship has righteousness with lawlessness and what communion has light with darkness? You want to you see the light of the world? You want to see the light of Christ shine through you, but you're hanging out with the dark people? Have dark thoughts, dark ideas that are not of God, and you think, I can hang out with them, I'm going to get them saved. Stop! Get back with them into the light. Walk with people that are, that are the same mindset that you have, that God, with Christ, you can do anything. Are you getting this, church? Is the second half of you getting this? You know, some people, you know, I've tried it, Pastor. I just, I can't get there. I've tried to live my dreams. It's just been a mess. But I'm going to tell you this. God is not, God has got a second chances in third, fourth, fifth, and sixth, and infinity. He never gives up on his kids. You know, we shouldn't give up on our children. I can tell you some stories. <laughs> and it'd been easy to say, done, go, we're done with you. God never says that. He says, come on, come on, Harold, you can do it. I called you when you were 30. I know when you're 47, but listen, it's, you still got time. You still got a bunch of years left. Step into your calling. Go after your destiny. That's the only way you'll live the dream. That's why God wants us to stay away from people that speak death. Proverbs, you know this from 1823, death and life are in the power of the tongue. If you're hanging around with people that are naysayers, I'm just saying, get away from them. If they're speaking death over your dreams, over your life, over your family, over your whatever, get away from them. I'm telling you, it may hurt at the moment, but it'll be worth it in the long run. It'll be worth it in the long run. God said, "For I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. He said, the things which are impossible with men are possible with God. 
So just as God created Joseph for this incredible, incredible purpose, he also created you. Say he created me. I really want you to understand that. Put your hand over here. Put your hand right here. Thank you, Lord, for creating me. Say, I'm not junk. I'm not a failure. I'm called by you. Isn't that awesome? He's called you. It's not for the, it's not for the person next to you. It's for you. He called you individually. A lot of people don't understand predestination, and I'm not going to get up here and teach them predestination. But I call it pre-planning. I think you were all planned by God to come to know God. I don't think everybody does. People reject him. But I believe that he predestined everybody to know him. He wants you to know him. If you don't know him this morning, he wants you to know him so you can step into what it's called life and life everlasting, and life abundantly. You have a story, a testimony. Up until today, it could be a testimony of faith, great story of faith, or it could be a testimony of failure. Lord knows we all fail at times. Anybody ever fail? Man, I'm holding both hands up. We all fail. Y'all stand up. 